Del Stone, welcome to Inspired By. Three months before I was born, my dad's brother committed suicide. So I was born into crazy, crazy turmoil. And when I was 12, my dad tried to commit suicide um, in an incredibly graphic and difficult way to publicly deal with. A really good friend who um, supported me through that and she understood kind of what was going on in my life. And when I did ring, and out she'd committed suicide that night. That was just insane start to life. And I've also learned that it's okay to not be resilient about some stuff, that actually just let it hurt, like let it wash over you. I'm teaching people that vulnerability is okay. Self-aware vulnerability is actually a strength. Welcome to Inspire By, the show that brings you inspiring stories from inspiring entrepreneurs with a twist. Now, I believe that every successful entrepreneur and celebrity on this planet has an inspiring story and they have stories that they haven't yet told. Not because they don't want to tell the story, but because they haven't been asked the right questions. So my job on the show is to ask the real questions so that you get the real answers. Now, with that in mind, let's get started. Del Stone, welcome to Inspired By. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? All right, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. It feels really nice to be in a studio with you. I feel like we've been talking about having you on the show yeah. for months and we finally managed to make it happen. Yeah, I've kind of like had a bit of pre-amble with you and avoided talking about anything important. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows it's like, save it for the show. Yeah, yeah. What small talk can we make? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So obviously, Joel, I know you really well. You spoke at our event in December and shared your incredible, inspiring story. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you're very big for and one of your big phrases, stay hungry. Yeah. What do you mean by stay hungry? So there's two stories to why we say stay hungry. Our book's called Stay Hungry. Our podcast called Stay Hungry. Um, the first story is is the boring of the two. Um, Let's get that out of the way first. Yeah. Basically, we when we first formed Codebreak, our agency, a client came through the door who had two weeks to turn their branding, their website, their booking system around before the franchise that they were under went bump. And we did it for them. Wow. And... Um, they were hiring vehicles and we managed to get all of the forecourt empty. So we flipped it, did a great job. They had people ringing them up asking to be part of their franchise. Um, and they came in for a meeting and I was like really excited. These are going to be the biggest client ever. And they both walked in and they were both really pale and looked really ill. And they sat down and I went, whatever it is you're doing, stop it. We liked it how it was before when it just ticked over. And when everything was just calm and easy to manage, please, please stop. And I vowed to myself at that point that we'd never work with a business owner that thinks like that again. And not that that's wrong. A lifestyle business, I completely appreciate that's great for some people, but not a great client for a marketing agency. Yeah, of course. So that's the wow. Now, interestingly enough, I totally relate to that because there is this fear of failure and fear of success. Yeah. A lot of people in our industries being entrepreneurs, both of us, are very much aware of the fear of failure. People yeah. don't want to make mistakes. People feel like they're going to get judged. But equally, there is a fear of success. It's like, what will my life be like if I achieve that? Yeah, and it's dramatic. And obviously, we help six- and seven-figure business owners bust the seven-figure ceiling, bust the eight-figure ceiling. And their lives change dramatically. The way people talk to them changes. The amount of hassle they have changes. The way they have to behave changes. The holidays they go on change. And 
generally people struggle with change. So we've like incorporated like a mindset element to our service now because we have to coach our clients through those changes. Wow. I love that pivot though, right? Because how many marketing agencies say, yeah, I coach my clients on their mindsets so they can handle the success that we're going to get them. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's a real like move, isn't it? It's a baller move to say to someone, you're going to be so successful that I'm going to have to help you with your psychology. Yeah, I love that. Do you know what? I can really relate to that because when I first started teaching people how to get more visibility, nobody believed me, but I was like, I'm going to help you get on covers of magazines and on radio stations and you are going to sabotage it. Yeah. Because there will be a moment where imposter syndrome will kick in and you'll go, I don't deserve this. And you'll go, Chloe, I feel sick. I can't speak on that stage. Yeah. Right. That's what happened to me. And so I spot it. And the thing is, with, I think with real entrepreneurs, as you pivot and you adapt because you're like, this is a problem that my client's going to face. I'm going to resolve it before it even comes up. Yeah, absolutely. And also like coaching them to be big picture thinkers. And when they become big picture thinkers, things that were really big thorns in their side in the past just become nothing. Like, for example, uh, I crashed my car in October. I haven't had the car back yet. I haven't batted an eyelid. And my family are like, aren't you really wound up about that? I haven't got time to be wound up about it. It's a waste of my energy. And when I can relay that to a client and help coach them through the fact that, you know, the electrician's cocked up something at their office or that the delivery didn't come on time, but don't let it ruin your day. It's like those little things sap a lot of energy yeah exactly and you're right and i think if you are focused on staying hungry you won't focus on the little things yeah. because you're just focusing on getting more so what does stay hungry mean to you in that context are you ready for this one yeah go for it. so um the year i was born three months before i was born my dad's brother committed suicide so i was born into crazy crazy turmoil and the situation triggered my own dad's bipolar so I lived um, in a volatile household with like a lot of trouble. Uh, I think my dad was sectioned for the first time when I was two. Um, and got a little brother as well. So um, my mum had to work three, four jobs to put food on the table to make sure we got fed. Literally some days she ate less so that me and my brother could eat. Um, and... We grew up in a relatively affluent area as poor people. So that gave me massive contrast and it made me stand out. And I had to deal with that as well as having to deal with my dad being in and out of hospital and things like the police coming around, various things when he was unwell that would occur. And I watched my mum keep all the plates spinning. Um, now, she's not entrepreneurial, but she's certainly hungry. And and she sacrificed a lot for us. So that was kind of my upbringing. Um, and when I was 12, my dad tried to commit suicide um, in a incredibly graphic and difficult way to publicly deal with. And, you know, you go to school and people get wind of that. It's brutal. Um, so I was kind of dealing with that and dealing with the things that went on at home um, but in my own kind of life, I was a geek. I pushed really hard. I, I worked hard. I, I wanted grades at school. I wanted to do anything I could to get myself out of that situation so it never happened to me. And, uh, and I had a really, a really good friend who um, supported me through that, and she understood kind of what was going on in my life. And um, she asked me at New Year when I was 17, she said, oh, could you just give me a buzz? And I couldn't, couldn't ring her. And 
Um, the reason I couldn't ring was I was with my girlfriend at the time and she was a little bit jealous. And to, in hindsight, rightly so. I wasn't, there was nothing going on, but it was, it was tricky. Uh, and when I did ring, it panned out she'd committed suicide that night. Um, so that was just insane start to life. And so I sort of promised myself that if I can help people achieve what they want in life and achieve the things that they can only dream of, I'm giving back. And that's kind of when I wake up in a low mood or when I'm having a tough day, that is a really good sense of purpose to help people achieve amazing things. And hopefully I'm an example of someone that's come from significant adversity and I'm doing things that people wouldn't expect. And so I kind of want that for others. And the more I want it for others, the more it seems to come to me. And so that's my reason for Stay Hungry. Wow, that is such an inspiring story, Joel. And I had no idea about yeah. any of that. And I think that's where I find talking to people like yourself is just so inspiring because a lot of people just see Joel Stone, podcaster, best-selling author, you know, all of these incredible accolades. But actually there are so many defining moments yeah. in our lives that, Nobody would know unless they asked. Yeah, and I'm really cautious to tell that story in a sense that I'm looking for sympathy. So it's hard for me to go onto a stage or to write a book and tell those stories and not look like I'm trying for sympathy. So if I can tell that story and it helps one person, it was worth telling it. If I'm telling that story because I want, like, the woe is me, get your violins out thing, it does damage. yeah. So I'm really cautious about how often I tell it and how I tell it. And I think that's probably your marketing background as well, though, because I think most people would hear that story and probably never think, oh, he's trying to get sympathy. But I think the industry we're both in is marketing is a lot of tell the stories, you know, exaggerate the pain, make them feel sorry for you, make them want to buy from you, which I hate. Like, I hate that about the industry. And I think the fact that your whole stay hungry message is actually going, don't deal, don't accept what you've got. Always look for the bigger, better whatever it is you're really striving for. Yeah. And I think that's what will stop that. Now, question for you, Joel. You know, it sounds to me like you had a fairly turbulent childhood and getting to that point. Mm-hmm. When you called back your friends yeah. and you didn't get the answer, what was going through your head when you found out what happened? No one's ever asked me that. <laughs> I, I struggled with incredible guilt for... 15 years so that happened when I was 17 and I didn't get a handle on it till I was 32 I'm 36 now um because I thought I'd let her down and I well to an extent I did let her down um I wasn't to know that was going to happen but I was the person she reached out to and I wasn't there and I never want that to happen again so my clients get a level of support that's weird because, <laughs> and my friends get a level of support that's weird, but I'm also a straight talker because I've been through some shit and some people see that as a bit blunt and a bit rude, but it's not. It's because I haven't got time to mess about because what if something terrible happens? I can really relate to the guilt as well, you know, and I think the hardest part is we can never go back, yeah. but also we can never know what would have been different. Yeah. You know, there's so many things that I can relate to where without going to the whole story, when I first was depressed and was mm. severely depressed and I was unwell, my best friend had also found out that she was diagnosed with MS at the age of 24, which for her was just, you know, catastrophic yeah. to her life. 
and she reached out to me for help and i was so excuse my french but fucked with my own shit like i was i couldn't get out of bed i was borderline suicidal and i so wanted to help her but i was so couldn't and i live with that guilt i still have and only now the fortunately in my situations i can make it up to her and i'm forever trying you know always being there for her. now she rings me i am there because yeah. i feel like my cup is full I think sometimes there is that element of actually being okay with the fact that we can't change what's happened and we can move forward with it. And like you say, you probably now give way more than you maybe would have, would you say yeah. before? So I obviously had tremendous struggles with my own mental health off the back of that um, and didn't want to admit it because my family had been through enough. So, you know, with my dad in and out of hospital, um, for me to then go to my mum and say, oh, by the way, I think I think I've got depression because I'm having suicidal thoughts, was a no-go. Was like, that is one extra piece of shit that I don't want to drop on her. And then as it got worse and worse, you start to realise, shit, if I don't tell someone something bad's going to happen. At the same time, I'm growing a new business and I'm meeting clients and I'm putting on a brave face and I'm dealing with all this sh- shit going on. And then it it literally took me till 32, 33 and some stuff that happened in lockdown for me to get out of my own head and realise what I needed to do to be successful for myself so that other people could benefit. And that, yeah, that's been mad. Now, I just want to interrupt this episode with something really exciting I want to share with you. Maybe you've been listening to this episode or watching it thinking, Chloe, I've got an inspiring story. I would love to tell my story. Maybe you're sat there like many of our guests who have an inspiring story and know you have knowledge and experience you want to share with the world, but you don't quite know how to use it to help others. Well, I've worked with over 100 authors and co-authors to share their story in books and ultimately use their knowledge and experience that they've picked up on their way to help other people all over the world. And not only have they helped other people, they've gone on to be number one best-selling authors, speak on stages with well-known celebrities, and feature on podcasts just like this. And maybe there's a part of you that thinks, you know what, Chloe, I would love to be doing that too. Well, let me tell you a secret. It all starts with planning exactly what you want to write or share in your own book. And one of the things that I've learned from working with so many different authors is that planning is the key to success. And so if there's a part of you that would like to be able to write and publish your own book or start sharing your story, sharing your message with people that you know that could really benefit from it, then I've got something special for you. I've come up with a planner that I've used to work with all of my authors so far that helps you to get your stories out of your heads and onto paper and ultimately into a published book. Now, normally that's only for our paying clients, but I'm going to be making it available as a gift to you as a loyal listener and follower of the Inspired by Show. So if you want to learn how to write your story, learn how to get your book out of your head onto paper and plan your best-selling book, then you can get access to this planner for free. All you've got to do, go to www.inspiredbybooks.co uk slash planner or to make it easier i've popped the link in the description for you today so click the link enter your details and get access to this writing planner now i cannot wait to hear what book idea you've come up with now back to the episode wow isn't it interesting though how we often feel like we can be a burden to others when we have depression mental illness any sort of thing actually because I'm the same. When I was really unwell and I was having suicidal thoughts, I didn't want to tell anyone because I was like, I can't bear them with the pressure of it. Yeah. But would you say that, that your ability to handle it was 
better or worse given the history that you'd had through the experience you'd had with your family? I knew I'd never kill myself, even though I wanted to. Really dark thing to say on a podcast, but I'd seen the devastation it causes and I'd got that safety net. I've been close, but I'd got that safety net there. And so I always, always strive to achieve stuff, even at my lowest. Like I could force myself to do things and I would burn out and that would be pretty bad. But but I was still achieving stuff. And so, I mean, I met someone at a talk uh, this week and they were there when I quit a job through mental illness. I actually worked with them as a colleague. They were like, no one would have ever known you had anything wrong. And they were like, you were like the, the top performer in the company. And then the next day you were gone. And I was like, well, yeah, that that's that's the game I play. Uh, that's the game I still play. Like, I don't have anything severe going on at all, but um, in personally, but I have I have things going on with family members, like as we all do, and I, and I still show up and I still get shit done. And that's the that's the real stay hungry side of it. Yeah, and I think there's an element with that that it's being functional as well. You know, yeah. mentioned about having the mask. You know, just keep going, and no one ever knew that you were unwell or or whatever. Yeah. What's your views on this mask that we all put on? I hope by doing what I'm doing now and doing what I do in my own podcasts and doing what I do in my stage talks, that I'm teaching people that vulnerability is okay, but that it depends what lens you put it through. So if you're the person that kind of goes on Facebook and puts, does anyone know the local number for a GP or... Um, today's been a hard day dot 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 that's not a healthy way to demonstrate your vulnerability but if you're in a trusted environment and talking to a friend or a colleague or a client and you can say look i can, I can relate to what you're going through because actually this happened to me and I'd, i think i can help that is a tremendous way to demonstrate your vulnerability but show so much empathy and create connection and Certainly for male entrepreneurs, that's not a, something you see a lot of. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that often in any industry, women are more traditionally vulnerable mm. and having more empathy and why men find it harder? I think it's like this weird warrior mentality type thing, like, oh, we must leave the cave and go and kill a woolly mammoth and drag it back so that the tribe can eat. And there's no opportunity for vulnerability in that scenario. And in in the scale of the universe, the time since we were in caves to now is tiny. So we're kind of dealing with really technical, big problems, but with cave people's brains. Yeah, totally. And so you have to like check yourself. You have to be like, am I just thinking on autopilot or can I take a bird's eye view of this and actually do something about it? And, and being vulnerable is knowing when it's time to go to the doctors or knowing when it's time to share a problem. It's not necessarily crying in front of an audience of people. And that kind of sort of self-aware vulnerability is actually a strength. Could not agree more. And actually, it's the, one of the most powerful things you can do to support others as well as actually yeah. show vulnerability. Where did you learn this? So... I saw other people do it quite well. Um, my wife's amazing at it. 
Um, so she was born with club feet and she spent about a third of her life in a wheelchair. She is the happiest, most adventurous, most brilliant person ever. And my friends call her Dora the Explorer. One, because she looks like an adult version of Dora the Explorer. And two, because she's always off looking for wildlife in exotic locations. She runs a zoo for a living. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's wow. She's an inspiring person herself. And yeah, she's vulnerable and she's real. And if she's upset, she'll tell you. And she doesn't like confrontation, so she would rather just say, this is too much for me, and step away. And um, when I was really struggling after after we'd got married, which is um, three three years ago, she uh, she was just there, at, but not in like a sort of patronising, weird way, but like in a like uplifting you can do anything you put your mind to, way. Like, this is someone who, at points in their life, didn't know if her legs were going to work. And she's been into, like, the jungle, and she's scuba-dived with sharks. So me sat there worrying about whether a Facebook ad campaign is going to get a good cost per click. So I felt a bit pathetic. <laughs> it's all about perspective. Yeah. Right? It's all about perspective. And I love that you mentioned that, because we've got to remember, right, we're both marketers, yeah. like we both love marketing passionately yeah. and we have far too many conversations about that we're not going to have on these, on yeah, these, yeah, these yeah. couches. But I find it interesting how vulnerability and that empathic, what I would call soft skills, very rarely comes into what people talk about when it comes to success and yeah. finances, wealth, marketing, ad results. Where where do you think vulnerability and those sort of soft skills fit into the entrepreneurship world? So speaking entirely for myself success for me is feeling content and i think success for the the majority which is usually led by the media is either feeling happy or excited or feeling wealthy and as in financially wealthy now i think the risk with chasing happiness is essentially it's the polar opposite of sadness and for every time you're happy, you're going to have an equal and opposite reaction and you're getting yourself onto a yo-yo and that's not wise. And I've had a few occasions where I've got happy or maybe a little bit arrogant or um, maybe kind of started to believe my own hype and something has happened to really humble me quite quickly. So I've diverted my gaze from that and gone for the, actually, if I can just feel content and fulfilled and feel like I'm have great purpose in life that's success for me and when I say that to other entrepreneurs it resonates and they look at me and like no one's ever put it like that before because they've always told me to keep score with my bank account or keep score with how many times I'm going to Dubai this year and I'm like well why don't you just take a step back from that and actually start keeping score on how you feel in the morning and if you're excited to put your clothes on and go and do what you do if the answer is no, you're not as successful as you think you are. I love that. I love that. And where where did this sort of need to share this message come from? You, you talked, obviously, you're a speaker. You spoke at our events. You do your, you do a lot of your own podcasts and others. Where did this need to share this message come from? I had a massive fear of sharing my message because some of the problems I've got are, are problems right now. So, you know, my dad's in and out of hospital, things like that. Um, my My stepdad... I mean, we won't go into this, but my stepdad unexpectedly had his leg amputated and uh, 
that was a whole other thing to deal with in this period. Um, so various things were going on. Um, my wife's family had stuff going on. I was is me sharing my story right now really good for our family? Is it good for our like little bubble? And then also, is it going to offend some of the people I'm closest to? So like my my dad's mum's still alive, my grandma. Like I start talking about my dad being mental, literally mental. <laughs> is she going to be like really offended by that? Because she's already lost one son, and like, and then. Um, in lockdown, we made an active decision as a business not to furlough anyone because we were worried about their mental health. And it meant I had to sell my house. So I sold my house to support the business. But as I did that, um, a few different things happened. So I sold my house. And then three days later, I found out that my dad had been sent to prison um, because the mental health services have got pretty poor in the last five or ten years um underfunded and he started to be dealt with like a criminal instead of a patient and so the things he did that were criminal acts were treated like it was a sane person doing it he ended up getting sent to prison um the police left his dog in his house just left it so we inherited my dad's dog and i think that was all meant to happen because me and that dog are like inseparable now. He's my best mate. And I started to like get out of my own head, just going on long walks with the dog. I was like, shit, I need to tell this story because there's other people out there going through far worse than me that this might help. And I do it through an entrepreneurial platform because that's the space I'm in. And I also think it's the space where I can have the most impact because I can afford to put budget behind it. I can say it from a stage. I can go on a podcast. I can travel. And Stop being so fucking selfish. Stop worrying about the one or two people that you probably will upset and start telling it. And so I was like, okay, how am I going to tell this story with as most as much impact as possible? And uh, a hero of mine is Gary Vaynerchuk. And he was about to release an NFT before anyone knew what NFTs were. And if you don't know what NFT is now even, it's a non-fungible token. It's like a digital uh, token that, gives you utility to do various things if you buy this token you can come to my conference for three years that was how it worked and i sat there with not much money because just had to try and prop up the business and these tokens were going for between thousand pound and ten thousand pound and they were little squiggles that gary had drawn and i walked into the kitchen at home and said to my wife i've just bought this and showed her a drawing of a really bad drawing of a turkey and she said, all right, are you okay? And I was, I was like, yeah. She was like, how much was that then? Um, it was £3,000. You fucking what? <laughs> I can imagine. And uh, she was like, we're selling the house. I was like, yeah, but it lets me go to VCon for three years. Well, what's VCon? I was like, it's going to be the largest marketing entrepreneur and Web3 conference in the world, and I get to go. She was like, well, okay. Not to be funny, you run a local Shropshire marketing agency. What's going on? Said, um, I'm going to go and meet Gary V." And she just sort of laughed at me. And uh, three days later, that token was worth 157 grand. Wow. And uh, I'd just given myself a platform to, 
tell my message to millions of people instead of a couple of hundred. And uh, that's a work in progress, but I'm pretty close now. So I've, I've met Gary four times. He knows who I am. He wears a Shrewsbury Town shirt now because I bought him one. So, yeah, hopefully we're, we're in the midst of me about to be able to tell my story to a ridiculous amount of people. That's incredible, incredible. There's so many things I want to ask about that story. So I'm going to go in my logical brain. You've decided not to furlough yeah. any of your team. You've decided you're going to sell your house or yeah. basically use your own money to do that mm. and invest in something brand new. Yeah. Your wife sounds like an incredible human being to even think, and excuse my language because of the history of your family, but to think, is he okay? Yeah, yeah. Right? Because there's a huge level of belief in there to go, has he lost his mind? The conversation at home was maybe he's not got depression, maybe he's got bipolar, and that he's having a manic episode. Um, And I wasn't, but I knew it looked like I was. So, How did you overcome that? How, How did you show that to say to people, I'm not mad, this is actually going to work. So the bit I missed out is we'd written a book at the same time. Of course so, so on the Friday, I found out that the token was worth 157 grand. On the Sunday, I found out I was an international bestseller. And then everyone stopped criticising me. Yeah. You're like, see, Amazon's telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so it went from... Yokel Shropshire bunch of marketers to international marketing authors and Web3 specialists in like seven days. And yeah, that kind of got everyone off my back for a bit. Not for long. I mean, I think my wife looked up from the magazine she was reading. I said, oh, my book's a bestseller. And she went, well done. And then looked back down again. But not, not like that she didn't care. It's just... That stuff is not what's important to her, and that's a great kind of grinding for me. I couldn't agree more. I I totally agree. Sometimes when you have too many people that are like I call starry eyed around yeah. you, sometimes it's actually not the fuel you need. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes there's too much starry eye can make you get. It's a bit like blowing up a balloon too big, and then suddenly it pops. It's like yeah, you want yeah. actually to people to people go hold your space and go. Actually, this is a great thing. Congratulations. Now what or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Now. I just love this story. This is amazing. So your wife is obviously now, like, everyone was believing in you anyway, mm. right? Your wife was believing in you. Your family are now finally getting it. So yeah. when I started my business, I had just been diagnosed with severe clinical depression. Yeah. Lost my job when I came back after my depression. And I was like, I want to start a business. So Everyone thought I was mad. Literally, everyone was like, Chloe, are you sure you're well enough to start a business? You were a director at 24, lost that, lost your mental health, went crazy literally broke down and now you want to start a business and I had to try and prove it and it was so frustrating and I'm similar to you now people are like well it took about seven years yours was about a week but oh no I from the from the day uh from the week I got diagnosed with clinical depression quit my job and started in business to the day that that token thing happened yeah. was 14 years wow okay so, okay reframe that yeah. and this is why I'm going a bit off topic now this is why I love entrepreneurship because people can look at it and go like your story, that initial story is a seven year period, but it wasn't seven years that created that success. Like my biggest yeah. bugbear in our industry and anyone that's listening in this industry is like overnight success, Yeah, yeah. right? That's no such thing. No such thing. No one is an overnight success. 
So for you, however, you did literally achieve what you wanted, right? You had this dream to meet Gary Vee and, and all these incredible things. Yeah. Funny enough, it was Gary Vee that got me into this industry as well, but I didn't know who it was at the time. It was Cedric, my boyfriend, who was a massive fan and couldn't go to his event in London. And so I decided to go instead just so I could meet Gary and say hi for Cedric. And that's nice. where the whole thing started. So you've obviously bought this, this NFT. Mm-hmm. It's gone up in value. How do you get from having this ticket to an event to suddenly meeting him four times, him wearing the shirt you bought him, knowing who you are? So the first time I met him, um, I was struggling with what to say. And I knew I was going to meet him, but had time beforehand. And I was like, do I try and ask a really good question and record it and then show it to people to help them? Or do I be vulnerable, Joel, and tell him the truth? So I stood opposite him and I said, Oh, hi, I'm Joel. Um, I run a marketing agency in the UK. This, this, and this has happened. And I think you saved my life. And he just, I don't think anyone else had said that that day. Like a lot of people had asked a lot of him. I said, I just wanted to say I'm really grateful. Thank you. And that's all. And then I walked away. And um, so I asked nothing of him. Yeah. And I think that stuck because then when I met him the second time, it was in London at a, like a boutique event. There was only 20 of us, and he remembered me. And then that's I'd already plotted to give him a Shrewsbury Town shirt. So uh, background on that is I support Shrewsbury Town. I'm a season ticket holder. Our biggest rivals are Wrexham. Now, for anyone who's not into football, Wrexham are owned by Ryan Reynolds. So the fact that Wrexham are two divisions below us, our biggest rivals are now like the fourth biggest team in the UK because of their ownership as I passed Gary Vaynerchuk a box and then it is a Shrewsbury Town shirt with Gary Five printed on the back and a handwritten letter from me explaining how it is my sworn duty in life to buy Shrewsbury Town and destroy Ryan Reynolds I love that and I was like you'll never forget me now like I've absolutely nailed it and then recently I've been back to VCon and I saw him at a brunch uh, before the conference started and he was like, hi, Joel, great to see you again. I was like, yes, I've smashed it. Like, we're pals now. And then when I met him for the fourth time, I got him to record some videos for my team. And like, I'm in. Wow, fantastic. Do you know what I love the most about the whole story, though, was that you didn't do what everybody already does. Go up and go, oh, my God, Gary, please go have a video together. Please go have a selfie. Please can we, can I have, can I have, can I have, can I have? Yeah. Right, you just gave him. And obviously, I don't know the man I'm speaking for him, but I imagine you saying you saved my life. Not only was a pattern drop for him, because yeah. he's gone... It's probably already emptying, going, okay, who's next? Let's be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll ask so it, much. It was literally a queue of thousands of people, yeah. and him stood, like, you've got 30 seconds, go. Yeah, and so, so you really made an impact on that. Now, question for you. Everyone always says, don't meet your heroes. Yeah. What do you believe on that concept now you've met him? Um, I would have agreed with that concept prior to meeting him. He is the most legit loving man I've ever met, and... That's a, that's a weird thing for me to say. I'm from like a rural Shropshire town. So um, he just gives and gives and gives and gives and gives. So much so that at this VCon, when it was his moment to do like the closing speech, someone who told him they were really nervous and called GoPro guy because he wore a GoPro on his head for the whole conference. Gary got him up on the stage and gave him the opportunity to close the show. No way. And uh, and the guy absolutely nailed it. And I, I like, had tears in my eyes. I was like, why would you do that? This is your moment. And then you've given someone a platform who nobody knows who they are in, in front of thousands of people. 
Oh, uh, yeah. You're, you're the real deal. You are what you say you are. And probably changed that person's life. Yeah. Like, his, his Twitter, like, blew up, like, hundreds of thousands within an hour. Wow. So meeting your hero really was what you thought it would be. Yeah, well, that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, incredible. And I, I love this job because this is why I love this show because it's all about inspiring stories, your inspiring story, and also meeting inspiring people. Yeah. Who else has inspired you on your journey other than Gary Vee? My mum. Big time. I think I think at your conference I, I said that. Um, but I've seen someone go through stuff that nobody should have to go through. Um, violence, mental health issues, all sorts of things that are just horrific. And then she's seen both of her children have mental health issues off the back of it and struggle too. And she's still there. And like, she doesn't do it in like a mainstream way. She's not particularly entrepreneurial, but she's just there. And I speak to her most days still now. And I'm, I'm by no means like a typical mummy's boy at all. But she just like calls me out on my shit, holds me accountable, commands that I be a better person every day. Like very big on making sure that I'm well read on a subject before I start spouting my mouth. And it's just pushed me to be a like a better version of me. And it's yeah, another kind of grinding woman in my life that just makes me be better. Yeah. Interesting. So you've now got two very grounding women. Oh, I'm fortunate to be surrounded by some pretty incredible women. Yeah, we've got great women in our team. My mum, my mother-in-law, my wife. So, yeah, I'm I'm lucky. And do you think there's a connection between females in your life and the grounding energy? Or do you think that there there could be men in your life as well or or women that are not so grounded? Do you think it's connected or do you think Um, it's separate? I've struggled for male role models, obviously. (laughs) And so... I tend to get on well with women because that's my energy allies for that. Um, but I think when a guy's getting a bit up his own ass, a little bit hyped about himself, it's easier for a woman to put him in his place than for another man to put him in his place because it becomes like headbutting when it's two guys. It's like, no, like, you know, you've been to Tenerife, I've been to Eleven Arif type kind of thing. Um, but like when you get home and you're behind closed doors and your wife's like, do you want ketchup on that? It's pretty grinding. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like, yeah, okay. Like yeah. this is this is home. This is this is the reality of my life. Or like you know, like daft example. But she's like, oh, there's dog shit in the garden, and can you put the bins out? <laughs> like that's real life. Yeah. And. And I appreciate that. I never used to appreciate those little things. And actually, they're the best bits of my life in a weird way. Yeah. But, yeah. I, do you know, I totally relate to this. I'm, no, I've never really told anyone. Normally, I ask you to tell me things that you've not told me. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something I've never told you before. When we run events, I'll always sneak off when someone's on stage to be on my own in, in a coffee shop down the road, just have a coffee like a normal person. And I don't mean that in a way that I'm a somebody else. Yeah, yeah. But when you're the one running the event, anytime you have two minutes, everyone's coming up to you, wanting to sign something, speak to you. And I'm like, I just want to sit in a Costa or a Starbucks or any particular coffee brand around London and just be like, oh, you know, because sometimes it is nice to get not caught up in the whirlwind. Do, yeah. do you find that with Stay Hungry, there is that, uh, the shadow side of that where you could actually be so caught up in constantly striving, constantly striving and never actually being settled or content? Big time. And 
and I do push hard. Like one of my traits is I don't know when to stop. And like recently just been to America to, to VCon and I've sat with some of the UK token holders who don't know who I am and that's great. And we sat having coffee and two Americans came over with a copy of my book and asked me to sign it. And nobody there even knew I had a book, let alone, I was like, oh shit, this has spoiled it for me. And not, not in like a arrogant sense, but suddenly those friendships that I built with people who liked me for who I was, now they were like, oh, he's, he's an author and these people want his autograph. And it, and I was, and I completely relate to what you're saying. It was like, oh. like, I'm so grateful that someone would come up to me who I don't know and ask for like, really lucky and I would never take that for granted but it it was like oh I've made some friends and they don't want anything from me and now they know I've got something and it why do you think it that feels different I agree with you I get the same feeling why do you think it's different though because I'm on a pedestal now and rightly or wrongly you know I'm not I'm not aiming like look at me um but when you are on a pedestal, you start to doubt why people are interacting with you sometimes. So, you know, I'll use an example you used before. But if you put on an event, you start getting DMs about people asking if they can speak at your event. Like We've both gone through that. And you're like, wow, where the fuck were you before? And so sometimes when you meet people, you have to take a moment to be like, right, do you want something from me or do you just want to be part of this? And... You know, I'm okay with either, but I just want to know where I stand. I love that. Now, question on that. How do you decide that? So you're going to, someone comes up to meet you, they say, oh my God, Joel, I'm so excited to meet you. How do you work out if they want something or if they're just grateful? Usually by how they behave. So um, I did an event this week. We had a big stand at the event with loads of merch on it. And there was the people that came over and said, can you just sign this? And, and what else can I have? And they, you know, can I have a tote bag? Can I have a water bottle? Can I have this? Can I have that? Well, well actually, you need to scan the QR code. You'll come onto our database and then you can have some, a couple of freebies. Can I have all of them? And that's like, the, that's the extreme. And then uh, the other extreme, you've got the people who come up to you like, what can I do for you? Love that. Like, bloody Nora. And like, they're few and far between. And then somewhere in the middle, you, that they're the, the tricky ones, the ones that maybe are quite good at sort of being nice to start with and then it turns out they did want something or maybe appear like they want something and it turns out they just want to be your friend. And so it's it's like tricky waters to navigate and the kind of harder I push, the harder those waters become to navigate because I've had people that I've become great friends with and then the next day I get a legal letter from them asking for their money back. And how terrible I've been to them the whole time. I'm like, whoa, what? Where's that come from? So, what would you say to people that are going through that entrepreneurial journey that are scared of these legal letters or trolls or anything? Because I'm a massive believer the bigger your brand, the bigger they're going to come. Yeah. So, have you experienced that already? And what would you say to people that are a bit worried about it? It's inevitable. So, get over it. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. It's going to happen. If you push hard enough, shit will happen. One of my first mentors said to me, if you're not upsetting people by 9am, you're not pushing hard enough. And I was, I used to think that is a really dick thing to say. Like that is such a bro, horrible, yeah. bad energy thing to say. And now I know what he meant. Yeah. And he didn't mean deliberately be divisive or deliberately go out there to hurt people or 
shout from the rooftops. He meant if you're pushing really hard and putting yourself on a pedestal and people see that you've got something that they can take from you, they will try and take it. And that kind of like a thing for me with the stay hungry thing is I think about business like sport. And if you're, if you're the champion, everyone wants what you've got. And so you kind of like to stay hungry, you kind of have to have a bit of a challenger mentality. And actually when these people come up and they want to take from you, you're like, okay, well, two can play at that game. I'm a nice person, but don't mistake nice for soft. Yeah. I love that. Don't mistake nice for soft. Huge. And also, I would say the reason you're not a soft person is because of what you've been through, yeah. right? You can be nice and resilient at yeah, the same yeah. time. Yeah, so that's it. You know, people don't know. Like, I've told more of my story today than I've ever told. But I, you can't take me to anywhere anywhere close to as bad as the places I've taken myself. So send me a legal letter. And don't care. Like, I don't know, like do me over like we've had you know i've had people who i'm really close to and i've employed one of their kids and then it's all gone to shit but you can't hurt me as much as i've hurt myself so like bring it i i totally agree with that i find often we all go through stuff and to different extents and also different parts of our lives some people like for example for me and sounds like for you a lot of my formative years were very traumatic, yeah. which is now probably why I'm very resilient. And I feel yeah. the same. I'm like, I can literally handle anything. And something happens, I'm like, okay, breathe that out. Let's go. What's next? Yeah. Oh, how am I fixing this? You know, it's a bit like water for ducks back. Yeah, yeah. Day, right? But everybody has something that has defined them. And I'm a massive believer in the more you have it, the thicker that skin gets mm. and the stronger the resilience gets. So I'm like a little bit weird, but much better now. So I used to, I've always been great at handling big problems, but it was the little things that got me. It was like death by a thousand cuts. So all those little things used to start to gnaw away at me and then I crash. I, now that doesn't happen. And, and I do have a level of resilience that I don't think everybody has. But then I meet some people and I'm like, wow, your level of resilience is next level. And I've also learned that it's okay to not be resilient about some stuff that actually just let it hurt, like let it wash over you. You don't have to be like Teflon. It doesn't have to like, you can you can just suffer it and that's okay. As long as you're, con- like if you're content and you're fulfilled, whether you're happy or sad doesn't really matter because things don't hurt the same way. Yeah. I think it's right because again, coming back down to the mental illnesses that I've had, a lot of people feel like you just need to get through it. But actually, you're okay to feel it as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if you can relate to this, but when I first had my second bout of depression, it was like, oh my God, I'm back here again. It's worse. I failed. So much worse. I failed. It's happened again. I should have known better this time. First time, I didn't really know what was going on this time. And and it was like even worse. And now I see depression a bit like hunger, which is ironically, we're talking about staying hungry. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I know for a fact that if I don't eat, I'm going to get hungry. In the same way, my depression is going to come if I don't look after myself. Yeah. And it's like, it's just a feeling that it comes and I'm like, okay, here, I need to cry it out. Or it's okay to let it out, you know, or not. But it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling. Yeah, yeah. So I guess like something's used as an analogy is bottling stuff up. But like when you've got a lot of shit going on, if you're kind of just putting it to the back of your mind, that's when it comes back and bites you. But if you let it wash over you and just feel it, very often you can process it a lot quicker, just a good night's sleep. And you'll start to notice, even you know, even if you're not suffering severe depression or anxiety, but maybe you're just stressed as a as an entrepreneur or an individual, you'll start to notice that your sleeping hours start to shorten, 
that you wake up with a dry mouth, that you're not either enjoying your food anymore or you're eating way more than you normally do. And exercise isn't exciting for you anymore. And talking to people's become that little bit tougher. And that's when you need to decide to start letting these things wash over you or it'll get bad. It's a great, great concept, actually. Question for you. Did you find your family history of mental illness made it easy for you to spot it in yourself? Or did, were you still just oblivious like anybody else would be? Um, I knew what was going on. I've known that I had depressive traits from five or six years old. Um, that doesn't make it any easier because actually knowing what it is is quite scary because I've seen what happens to some people. And, you know, I lost, lost my uncle before I was born but lost a friend to it. I've actually lost four friends to suicide in my lifetime. So when you know that's what you've got and you know what the end of it looks like, it's a bit yeah I can totally relate to that I've got in my in my family we have a, a lot of a lot of mental illness actually and it was the same thing it was like I didn't I had no idea it was in me I was totally oblivious I was in denial like beyond yeah but when it happened and I realized what it was that denial lifted I panicked because I then had serious anxiety what if I turn out like that person what if I turn out like this yeah, person yeah. because you've seen it happen and sometimes no ignorance is bliss you know in yeah, some yeah. ways uh, what would you say to anyone that is maybe struggling at the moment but doesn't know how to approach a subject with someone? I feel underqualified. <laughs> yeah. I think this is not uh, yeah, mental yeah, illness yeah, yeah, yeah. and any doctors about. I think the best thing you can do is is reach out to someone, but I completely appreciate reaching out to someone you know is really tough, but there's online services now, you know, like... Um, campaign against living miserably calm and there's others where you could reach out anonymously and speak to someone and they can just help you a little bit and obviously if you're in an extreme place there's samaritans and things like that but i would really would advise just doing that there are literally people on messenger now that you can speak to just to kind of get an overview and the reason i say that is when you're depressed or anxious or stressed you're not thinking logically but you think you are and it's quite good to just get someone else to check on that because, you know, I like sometimes I would be like, oh, I might not be able to pay next month's bat bill. And within two weeks of depression, I'm going to get sent to prison for not paying a bat bill. Well, that's not going to happen. And I could pay the bat bill. I had savings to pay it. So why was I there? And it's not logical, but it felt logical. Yeah. Who was the person that you reached out to or has been go to to help you through that oh my mum's always been great she's always known what's going on um and then sort of on my second bite which was pretty significant and and my wife was involved she just said go to the doctors and I know it'll be all right and I probably left it nine months too long and now I regret that because I probably lost nine months of my life in a weird way. But I've probably made the mistake of not reaching out to people. And then now, because I'm well, I've, I hold myself accountable by telling people that I've had those struggles. So now it's like if it goes wrong again, everyone around me knows. And have lost some friends, sadly, because of that, because maybe they don't understand or maybe they're just not as nice as I thought they were. But the friends that I've got are really good friends. 
And so now it, I don't think if there was a third serious bite, it would be as bad because I could literally go around to a friend for a cup of tea and say, this is where I'm at. And they'd be like, all right, let's have another cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's part of the challenge though, isn't it? Because when it's a bit like when you put something in a dark corner and you're fearful of what's in that corner, it's like, oh, I don't know. It's going to get bigger. It's going to be scary because you can't see it. But when you yeah. shine a light on it, it makes it better because you're yeah. actually, this isn't as scary anymore. And I was the same when I first started talking about my depression publicly. I was running my business for three, four years about selling air soul. Yeah, depression. of course. And then it's, and I had a lot of people actually mentors saying, Chloe, you can't tell people you were depressed. They won't buy from you. They'll think you're broken. They'll think that you're going to have a wobble. And then it was only, it was actually on Mental Health Awareness Day years ago. I had had a really bad bout of depression. And I remember waking up and my eyes were so puffy. I didn't know what day of the week it was because obviously yeah. when you're in those, those states, I didn't give a crap. And I opened Facebook and it was everyone posting all these quotes about world mental health and how, and I literally went, this is what mental health is. I don't remember, I don't actually remember doing it. I've but I went live and I was like, this is what it's like. And I was not well in that video, but it went nuts. And it's because I finally shone a light on it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why we need to have these conversations. Those mentors that said that to you can fuck off. Like, that is ridiculous. And they're wrong. Like, one in two people are suffering with some sort of mental health issue. So to say that people won't buy from you because you're honest about your depression or anxiety or schizophrenia or whatever it is you're going through, it's just not true. So, okay, well, they can't buy from anyone else then either. Yeah, only half the population. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so who've then got other shit going on, like they're criminals or gambling addicts. So, like, right, we won't buy from anyone then. Like everyone's got something and it's like getting out of your own way, realizing you're not the main character in everyone else's story. So they actually don't give a shit anyway. And then using yourself as an opportunity for other people to feel okay. And when you start doing that, more people buy from you, not less. Yeah. That's exactly what actually happened. Yeah. Totally. And I, and I, I, similar to you saying you, you wish you got help nine months earlier. I wish I told my story from the beginning. Yeah. And not because you wanted to make more sales. Definitely. That was just a byproduct of being a good person, right? Yeah. And also I was attracting the right people. I was attracting people that actually saw the vulnerability and appreciated the vulnerability. So controversial thing to say, what really grinds my gears is when people try and use mental health to make more sales. Oh my God. Again, marketers, we see it all the time. Yeah. I, I can see clearly now through a legitimate thing versus, and again, controversial thing to say, People who take photos of themselves crying. And you I, know, when I thought, someone adds sad music to a video that they've recorded of themselves, yeah. that's a red flag. Of course it is. And I'm like, again, if people are genuinely sad, I'm not saying don't take photos of yourself crying and share the vulnerability of it. I, I get that. I do. But when I'm genuinely crying, I'm not thinking about, I must take a photo of this. Yeah, yeah. If someone else had taken a photo of, of you course. and you posted it a week later in context. Yeah. That's exactly what you said, though. It's the context. It's like what we said earlier, the vulnerability piece. And I just think people just need to be so much more themselves. And I think yeah. a lot of people have this word authenticity thrown around, you know, be authentic. And I actually always say that's part of the top premise of the show, hence why you've shared so vulnerably. Yeah. Like you said, you've never shared this before. You're being authentic, but you're not going, today I'm going to be authentic. Yeah, look how authentic I am. Oh, my God. Exactly. It's the, it's the angle. So, Joel, oh, my God, I feel like I could talk to you about this for ages. Like, this conversation is flowing so well. We'll have to come back to mine and we'll go, we'll go again. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. I'll try and come up with some really cool, like, speaking for you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to make you share stuff that you've never shared before. <laughs> oh, God. I'll bring the tissues. Yeah. Like, you've held it together very well. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I love that. So, Joel, obviously, you've done some incredible things in your career already. What's next for Joel Stone? 
So, I'm currently picking up a lot of speaking gigs and looking for more. Um, so, I'd love to speak for people. I may or may not have a massive event coming up next year that um, if you think kind of corporate businessy markets event meets 90s wrestling slash heavy metal, that's the vibe. Oh my God. I can't even put my so when the first, aware of it. When the first bit of planning is, can you do lightning effects and have you got a smoke machine? You know what's going on. Oh my God. So, um, like, yeah, like when I come out on stage, I come out to Master of Puppets by Metallica. I don't come out to like dance music. So, I love that. Um, yeah, there's some big things in the pipeline. Book number two is on the go. Audio book number one's on the go. We've got some wiki guests coming up on the podcast. Uh, just employee number whatever joined today. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot That's coming. Oh, Joel, I am. I, I love hearing your story and I'm also just incredibly proud of you. Like, I haven't known you all that long, but just opening up about this, because I know when you first spoke at our event in December, I was, like, put a context for anyone that didn't hear it or wasn't there. Male panel, very technical business content. And when you opened up and shared about the, how your mum has been the biggest influence in your life, I was like, like, we need to talk. This yeah, is just yeah. amazing. So thank you so much for sharing so openly no, on the show it's been it's been amazing now we have a tradition on the show yes. where the final question and that's also partly why you're here because Ben Knight was one of our first guests yeah. who called you out to come on the show and share your inspiring story so amazing work for Ben clearly was right in saying your name so we have a tradition where the final question is the guest gets to invite or shout out someone that you think has an inspiring story someone you know that we should have on the show next who do you think it should be so I know this giant, friendly Scottish guy called Stephen Rowan, and you know him too. And he has got some stories that people would not believe. And I'll leave it there in case you get him on. But the guy's like, he's a storybook. It's ridiculous. And he also, he's one. Of, he's like a giver. He's one of those people in life that after spending 10 minutes with him, you feel better. Like, and... I guess like a generator, that's probably a word for it. But um, people like that, that come into your life unexpectedly, he's like one of those people that I'll be driving somewhere, having not heard from anyone for ages, and he'll ring me and start asking me what was the best thing going on in my life at the moment. Not many people do that. So I love that. Oh, wow, let's make that happen. Thank you so much, Joel. That's been amazing. Thanks it's been great me. to have you. Fantastic. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that show as much as I did. Oh, my God. So many golden nuggets. And obviously everything that we've shared is our own personal opinions, right? Myself and Joel have lived and breathed far too many mental illnesses to label in one episode. But I do want to just really emphasize here that we are not medical practitioners. And if you are looking for some support, we'll make sure there's some links in the bios and in the descriptions for you there. Now, if you haven't already, definitely check out Joel's podcast, Stay Hungry. I will definitely make sure that I can arrange going on there very, very soon. And I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Now, if you are listening on Spotify, Apple, or any of the usual podcast platforms, do make sure if you haven't already, you have followed the show so you don't miss out on our next guest next week. And if you are one of the crazy cats that watches us on YouTube, then make sure if you haven't already, you've subscribed and share in the comments what's one biggest takeaway that you've taken from the show today. What's one thing that's really inspired you that Joel shared? And I cannot wait to see all of your comments and I'll see you next week.